G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you late on a Sunday evening, another Sunday sit down with JLo. Unpacked plenty of basketball stuff and plenty of AFL fantasy stuff just for something different. We did our power rankings for the NBA title contenders. Funnily enough, JLo and I have uh, very similar thoughts when it comes to who can contend for the chip this year. We then played another game of up-down, looking at teams in the West. It's interesting to see how uh, we have similar opinions in some of these, but there were definitely some ones that we disagreed upon. And then we went into the AFL fantasy realm, looked at some value picks. I released a big article that I'm sure you've either A, read about, B, heard about, or C, done both, looking at mid-prices in the AFL fantasy world. There's 22 guys that I think are really tempting picks that offer a lot of value this year in the 300 to 600 grand price bracket. So we kind of unpacked them and talked about which ones are in our team and which ones we're big fans of and which ones we want to steer away from. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Here we go. Another Sunday means another sit-down episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Joined once again with J-Lo. How are you Sunday evening, big fella? Ready for work tomorrow. Really excited. Who doesn't love a Monday grind? Uh, might be a lighter podcast this Sunday. I have a hunch. There's not a ton on the docket. There's a little bit of AFL fantasy stuff we're going to dig into. We are going to do the uh, up-down again with the West teams, but I want us to start by looking at some of the title contenders in the NBA. Obviously, the Utah Jazz are flying right now, and I've got me kind of thinking as I was looking through the standings where all the teams kind of rank. So we're going to kind of power rank our top eight or so title contenders. I'll be interested to see if we have the same eight teams first. but um, Surely. Cause, yeah, I don't know, because there's a couple here I'm like, well, maybe they are, maybe not. But let's dig into number one, because I'm assuming we both have the same number one. The Lakers? Yeah, the yeah. Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, let's lead off with the useless sports buy for our stat. Oh, did you know? But yeah, yesterday... I did know Yeah, that. you know most things. Uh, did you know that LeBron now has more turnovers than any other player in NBA history? Yeah, take that, LeBron fans. You yeah. Know, put that against his name in the Michael, the GOAT debate. <laughs> it's not a good one to have. Uh, yeah. Any guesses at who he overtook? Oh, number my two. Goodness. Yeah, if we on the spot here, I, thought I was trying to catch you off guard. I'll go Malone. Oh, that's a really good guess. Did I guess? Because it? it's correct. Hey. Yeah, well done. Yeah, Carl Malone was number two. That's probably from what, like, the 2K, like, NBA record holders. I've probably seen it up there before. Probably, like, yeah. It's just in the back of That's my a mind. good point, actually. I had it, I've sat on that little stat all day just hoping that you didn't see it anywhere. So, no. yeah. Okay. John Stockton, number four, which is interesting to note. And then yeah. Moses Malone, number three as well. Russell oh. Westbrook, number nine, the other active player, second. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so he might uh, challenge LeBron. But, yeah. Getting back to relevancy, the Lakers, I think, are the clear title favourites still. Um, They've got the number one defence in the league. They've only got the 10th best offence, which kind of surprised me, but they're getting it done. What do you reckon? Do you reckon that they're poised for like a serious kind of dynasty run here? Because, I mean, AD and LeBron as a two-headed monster is pretty unreal. Um, I won't dig into them for too long, but do you reckon, obviously, the Lakers are number one in the title power rankings, do you reckon that they'll stay there for the foreseeable hmm. future? That's a tricky one. I, I would probably say not. I think if LeBron starts to decline or, you know, God forbid, go somewhere else or something like that. Imagine I, that. Joins the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine AD potentially going somewhere 
to greener pastures, you know. Yeah. LA's a... It, it's so hard to tell, but the dynasty with these two, I'm probably... I probably wouldn't say... I would say no. Um, I, I think that, yeah, the way that they're structured at the moment, it'll depend a little bit on if they re-sign Dennis Schroeder and then how they kind of use... Because that's been talked about a potential extension. I think it's been put on the back burner now to the end of the year. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, watch this space. Team number two. I went with the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, fair enough. I think uh, they're starting to round into shape a bit. No team's uh, shooting a better clip from three at mm. the moment. They're second in the league in field goal percentage. They finish in the top three for most statistical or important stats. And I think they're, like I said, starting to round into form. Drew Holiday's been out with COVID for the last week, but they haven't really missed a beat. 16 and 10 doesn't sound like the greatest record. I think it puts them about 6th or 7th in the league. They're second in the East, though, and I think when push comes to shove, I like their chances of coming out of the East, which automatically puts them in the driver's seat True. to be the finalists. True that. I've got quite a few East teams quite high because obviously one one East team has to make it. It's true, yeah. Um, and it's a little bit easier to get out of there. I, I got to watch the, the Bucks against the Nuggets uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, and even though the Nuggets were pretty good, the Bucks just, I think it was Scott Hastings said, you can't have three or four bad possessions against the Bucks. They've got the best offensive efficiency in the league or yeah. they're top two and they've got the best offense or something like that. Yeah, they are. It's still number one on offense at the moment. Yeah. Is- so I think it's if you if you have a few lapses, they just put you away, and that's exactly what happened. Denver sort of missed three or four straight possessions, and they just put a six to eight point buffer in in between them, and then they've got the the mega star Giannis to sort of get things done. Chris Middleton's no scrub, and their shooting is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's stupid how deep they can bat when it comes to shooting a three ball. Yeah, uh, where did you have the Bucks? On I, your I had them sitting down at fourth, um, yep. but that's just because of you know the teams that I've put above them have a little bit more firepower in terms of those star players. Yeah, right. Um, I went with Brooklyn at number two. They're we've, my three. We've sort of talked about them. Almost to death, yeah. Um, and their three-headed monster going on like that. They're, they're a little bit strange, but they blew out the uh, Warriors, Warriors yeah. today. Um, James Harden's totally adapted his game and fits in really nicely. KD's back. I think they've probably got the roster depth to kind of take it up to sort of the Bucks when they do have Giannis out and having the ability to have one genuine megastar or top 10 player out there at all times. Yeah, true. Um, really sets Even if you have apart. two of those three on the court at any time, it's mm. like, oh, you can't really like get send multiple defenders to one because, yeah. Kyrie might be, like, when it, Kevin Durant's probably in a similar boat too, mm. when it comes to, like, isolation play, like, he's one of the best, if not the best, at, like, getting his own bucket. So is James Harden as yeah, well. Right. You know, they might have the three best ISO balls Literally, in the league. Yeah. So if they can make it work and put the right shooters around them, if Joe Harris is hitting them, they're, they're pretty deadly. So I've got them number two um, in my books. There's been a lot made about their depth, and obviously they had to trade Jared Allen to kind of snag James Harden. But they did sign Noel Vonley the other hmm. day. Okay. I did notice. Uh, and I was just kind of looking at their depth chart now. I mean, Jeff Green's been playing a lot of minutes as a big... In, um, inverted commas for them, but like Timothy Lawalu Cabarro, pretty, pretty happy with the pronunciation on that. Lawalu uh, Cabarro, he uh, yeah, he's a solid dude. Bruce Brown in a similar boat, both good defenders. Landry Shamet again is like not someone you probably want chewing up a lot of minutes in the playoffs, but if he's your ninth guy, 
you could definitely do a lot worse. So I do think that they're hoping that they can snag one more big guy or one more um, big man, talent. Yeah, talent, I think so, okay. in um, the buyout market because they don't really have a lot to trade. Mm. Um, but even if they don't get them, I agree. I think that Brooklyn would be surprised if those two, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, weren't the two that played in the West, uh, the East Finals. Definitely. I think we've sort of said that in the past, even though Philly's doing so well right now. I don't know where you've got them ranked. I actually have the Sixers, no uh, pun intended, ranked sixth Ooh, at the moment. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, number four was the Clips. I put them there. I was going to have them too, honestly, mm. after I was kind of doing a bit of crunching, but they've been excelling even with Paul George injured at the moment. Pat Bev, I th- he still might be hurt as well, but he's missed chunks of game time. I think, obviously, they're kind of meltdown in the playoffs last year is what they drew a lot of ire for and mm. everyone's like well it's, this regular season doesn't really matter for the Clippers what happens in the playoffs which is true but I think you know Kawhi's proved time and time again that he can win in the playoffs Paul George is obviously the biggest catalyst when it comes to variance in the playoffs so if he's on fire Clippers could take it up to the Lakers they're probably the ones I expect to go to the West Finals um Tricky to say, though, like the Heat made the NBA Finals last year. There was a lot of randomness, you know, but there's always one team every couple of years that, like, will make a conference finals and kind of surprise a few. Sure. But I have the Clippers, yeah, in their number two when it comes to offensive ranking as well. Um, And, yeah, like I said, they've been consistently getting it done. Nick Batum's kind of revitalized his career as well. Yeah. Um, Big Nick Batum fan. So, yeah, I put the Clippers at four, but, yeah, the six is back down at six. Clippers, for me, are sitting third, yeah. um, sort of rolling down our lists. And for all the same reasons, I think Kawhi's a great winner. Um, I really like Batum, like you were saying. They've got the bench depth that they need. Feels like they've got a little bit less than they had last year, but hopefully it's just a bit more um, gelling that goes on. Like Paul George sort of said, as they were exiting the playoffs in the exit interviews, they've got plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah, that's it. So hopefully Paul George comes back and they can do all right because it would be nice to see someone other than the Lakers win it. Um, as much as I like seeing LeBron sort of add to his resume and sort of potentially being watching the greatest yeah, of all time, um, I would like to see, especially, it'd be so nice to see the poor old Clippers win one. So if it's, if Imagine it's if they gonna, knocked the Lakers off in a series. That mate, would just be unreal. It's definitely... it's Instant definitely bragging rights forever. Totally. Uh, have, has it ever happened the other way in the playoffs? Don't think so. I don't yeah. think they've played each other in the playoffs. Really, really. Well, it wouldn't, it's not surprising yeah. given the Clippers Not exactly history. mainstays in the uh, postseason are the Clippers. Yeah. Uh, I guess rolling down, because you've said you're fourth, mm. um, Philly is fifth in mine. Okay. Um, and de- they're playing so well. Joel's playing like an unbelievable, like for MVP. Um, and I think he probably will win it if he keeps this up. He's definitely doing enough. Ben Simmons playing some great defense. Tobias Harris is super solid. You like what Doc uh, Rivers brings, even though he's not a, uh, a noted winner, other than that, mm. that Boston 08 team Chip, yep. um, with a big three-headed monster so that's sort of a bit like Brooklyn but I, I just don't know if they can get it done without another big star when you look at the teams we've listed Lakers two stars Brooklyn three stars Clippers three, uh, two stars I guess you could say two all-stars for 
Milwaukee, but of course Giannis is just a whole nother yeah, beast. Different plane. Um, Philly with Embiid and Simmons as the second star, you, I do sort of worry. Although I like what they've done adding the Seth Curry shooting and yeah. Danny Green's obviously there. And Had a good game today, did Danny Green. Danny I mean, Green. I yeah. don't know statistically how he finished. I watched a big chunk of the uh, Sixers and Suns game and I thought, yeah, he was... He's a dude, I think, he's won three chips on three teams now. So, again, another proven winner. A dude you can, even though he was, like, infamously missed that three that would have, like, clinched the title in the bubble against Miami. Mm. Um, I think he's a dude that you can trust in a big game, big moment. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I've still got my worries about the Sixers, and I still definitely think that uh, they're not overrated. It's not the right term. But, yeah, uh, yeah I do have worries about their legitimacy when it comes to challenging for a chip. And maybe their depth as well is a little bit shaky. They Somewhat, might, They yeah. might need to be active in the buyout market too, I would say. Tobias Harris, I think, is probably like more deserving of being an all-star than Ben Simmons, the way mm. he's playing this year. So if he gets hot, then maybe they could yep. push a team like the aforementioned Bucks or Nets to seven, six games. But I do have them kind of ranked in a different tier, for mm. lack of a better word. Who's in your fifth spot then? You haven't given us that one yet. Uh, I've got the Utah Jazz at number five. Yep. Did you have them six? Yeah, we've just yeah. switched those around. My Same big... six in the top six. Yeah, so. my biggest worry about Utah is their lack of a genuine, genuine superstar. Love Donny Mitch. I don't know. I wouldn't say I love him. I like him as a player. If you're listening, Don, we're, we're not haters. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> but, um, and, and Gobert, what he does is awesome, but there's no one who can necessarily go and take a game for you. Go and True. absolutely, unequivocally win a game the way that a KD or a LeBron or a Kawhi or even an Embiid can. So I worry about Utah really well coached. I think probably the best coach team in the league. Yeah, um, can't, can't disagree with that. But it's just, again, it's that depth thing. We've probably talked about it the last three weekends or three Sundays. Yeah. Just that lack of depth. Uh, too many too many Royce O'Neills out there. So um, Utah, I, I hope they're I kind of hope other, being a Denver Nuggets fan, I hope they're actually no good. But <laughs> Um, you know, for a bit of difference in the league, I hope they do well, but I just can't see it. Yeah, I think they're the epitome of like a, a bit like team Miami based team, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you said, they don't have like an alpha dog really. It seems like they all kind of galvanize around each other. Mm. Stick it a little bit with the all star talk. I think Mike Conley probably won't get it, but he like deserves to be Utah's all star this year. Obviously Rudy Gobert hasn't played enough. Mike yeah, Conley? I think so. I think he's played he's a He's out at the moment. Oh. Yeah, I think he's been out the last three or four games or something like that. I'm playing against him in fantasy, and he hasn't been burning me. Thank God, because I'd be getting smashed. Hey, right I'll trust now. your word for it. Uh, yeah, status for Sunday says here, undetermined. So Yeah, and I think he missed a little issue. period earlier in the year as well. That would be my only um, sort of reservation. I actually couldn't tell you what Mike Conley's been doing. Why do you think he's a potential all-star? Just from when I've watched a lot of their play, I'm like, you know, Donnie... Donnie Mitchell, there you go. Mike Conley's missed the last four. You're right. Uh, my apologies. Um, <laughs> did not know that at all. Yeah, well, having watched him when they're playing, you're like, uh, Donnie Mitchell draws a lot of attention naturally, but he has had a, in my eyes, underwhelming year. Hasn't been great. And Conley's they're sitting on like, top of the West. True. Sitting top of the league. True. Underwhelming. They've, uh, yeah, he's averaging 24 points a game or something. Like no, that. I don't know. But You've been a bit harsh on Paul. Maybe, a little bit. And maybe I just really want to fly the flag for Mike right yeah. now. But yeah, I think <laughs> Doubling he's... Doubling down on Mike. He's been, yeah, I'm dying on this hill. He's been the one who's 
not dictated terms, but yep, just looking at Donnie Mitchell's averages, he's uh, improved a little bit from last year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what about his shooting? Uh, shooting's gone down, yeah. Okay, That's, there that's something for me, yeah. That's what he's talking about. Oh, best uh, three-point numbers of his career, though. So, yeah, anyway, down here for Don. <laughs> I had a bad one the other week when I was like, yeah, clearly top four teams in the West, and then you were like, oh, hang on a minute, like they're only a game ahead of yeah, Sacramento right. or something, or it was friggin' the Grizzlies yeah. or something like that. So, fair enough, we've had one each. Yeah, I think I still think that Mike Connolly is like a big driving force behind them, like oh, yeah. surging to the best record in the yeah. league at the moment. Uh, clearly, probably uh, not the sole reason <laughs> for their success, but... Um, they've won 18 of their last 19 games as well, which is pretty absurd. There's always one team, though, that, like, I don't know, again, 72 games, so what's a good season? Like 50 to 55 yeah, wins, maybe? Like There's always one team that'll kind of do that and yeah. finish in the top three in their conference, and you're like, how the fuck did the Jazz finish with a three Portland did it the other year. The yeah. Blazers seem to do it every second year. The Nuggets year. did it a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sticking with the Denver Nuggets, they're number seven on the list for me. Uh did very, very consider, or did consider swapping them with the team I have in number eight. But again, I think the Nikola Jokic factor yeah. gets them a little bit over the line. Yeah. Um, and we, you were saying as we were watching them play the other day, you know, they might be struggling a bit right now in, again, inverted commas, because they're still 14 and 11. So it's mm, not great. Yeah, it isn't great. But, you know, they're... I just closed the. They've got a hands. lot of injury issues. I think that's a thing to remember with the Nuggets. They're their best defender, like, and the guy sort of glues them together. And Gary Harris is out. Yeah, as that's a big usual. Um, they've had no guard rotation at the moment, and but Jokic has still been killing it. Murray's been inconsistent, but the way Jokic is dominating the league, or at the moment, I think it's that definitely sets them up to be number seven over. I'm assuming this we've got the same team, but. I guess, finish your thoughts, sorry. No, no, I pretty much, yeah, I don't really feel concerned about what's going on with the Nugs. Mm. Um, I mean, in the last, what, half a dozen games, seven games, Jokic just had two 40, like a 47 and a 50 point yeah. game. So he is the one that helps them tick. Obviously still dominating the dimes. I do wonder though, like how Jamal's, how would I even word this? how much of a leap Jamal's going to take to like be kind of like playoff Jamal last year. Like he was unstoppable last yeah. year and that was a driving force in them coming back from two, three, one deficits. Jokic is obviously going to do his thing yeah. and be a star, but I think how far they go in the title race and if they can push someone like the Lakers or Clippers, it won't come down to if Jokic is dominating. I reckon it'll come down to what Jamal does. Yeah, he's definitely gone away from what made him so special in the bubble. Attacking the rim, cutting a lot. He's just playing quite slow and yeah. complacent. I think, I was thinking about this the other day. I think this is the last year Jamal has. If he wants to be a nugget and sort of play yeah, with okay. Jokic for the, you know, he, if he doesn't play well this year and take the step, he'll just get traded for a Beal or someone like that. Someone the nuggets are always throwing around. Like Jokic. What a terrible call though. Like, yeah. I, would you rather have Jamal or Brad Beal right now? Oh, I, you ta you take Brad Beal. I guess the Murray factor is that he's younger, mm. um, and he he has shown that those flashes of being like an absolute unstoppable force in the playoffs. He's taken over games for a few years now in the playoffs inconsistently, but I mean, obviously last year was was crazy. But you're right. I think. Brad Beal probably would be the option. Whether it works or not, I don't know. You want that continuity. But I think this is his last year. 
and he's really got to step it up, otherwise he's just going to get traded. So sticking on that Jamal Murray tangent for a second, uh, he's I reckon the last three years he's averaged he has averaged eighteen points. I reckon in each of those last three years, we're like, oh next year mm. it'd be cool if he makes the jump to twenty two to twenty three yeah. points. He's capable of it, but he hasn't made that jump so. Could still make it this year. You never know. Um, Paul Millsap's also someone that probably deserves a bit of love. He was... I didn't know if it was going to be a wise decision for you guys to re-sign him, depending on A, what he wanted, and B, how much he had left in his legs. But he's arguably arguably been the third best player, if not second best, behind Yoke this year, I reckon, for the Nugs. Yeah, it's, he has. And defensively, he's been great. So it, it, he, we got him for dirt cheap, yeah. I think, and sort of... He kind of owed us, it feels like. So hopefully he can sort of push us. Repay the favour. Yeah, push us up. But, you know, there's six teams ahead of us that look a bit better at the moment. It's a little bit easier to uh, climb up in the East. The final team that I've got is an Eastern Conference team in the Boston Celtics. Yep. So So almost identical, uh, I think, we had the Lakers. Was this section even worth it? Uh, That's a question. Well, (laughs) we'll ask that. I'll pose you. All right. There's not a lot that I have to add about the Celtics. I've talked about how I think they maybe want to make another move or two. Um, I'm going to do a trade candidates article next week. So next Sunday, we'll yarn about some trades. Harrison Barnes is a name that's been floated around as a potential target for the Celtics. Okay. And there was something that um, Kevin O'Connor, one of the Ringer guys, posted saying that there's a lot of sources saying that the Celtics are doing stuff. Like, don't know if they're going to pull the trigger or anything, Mm. but they're making calls. And I think if they want to move up from eight and try and really yeah. be contenders, then they've got to try and, like I've said, add something else to their roster. I don't really even know like what it is. Like I've said, maybe another wing uh, forward in their rotation, like a Harry Barnes if he's slotted in next to Jason and Jalen Brown. That'd be a pretty wicked unit. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the move is. Hopefully Boston does, because I reckon if they get it right, you could see them just climb straight up the standings. I'm not sure how they've been shooting, but for some reason, it f- in my mind, I feel like they haven't been shooting the ball particularly well. I think that's one of the things that, that could push them up. I think they do have the, the cavalry sort of in the stable to give it a red-hot crack. Like we said, you love Brown, as do I. I really like Tatum. Kemba Walker, a, he's a bucket getter. Um, I think they could do it. I think if they were going to add anything, it would be a sort of an inside scoring presence. Yeah. Something they're really lacking. They're a great defensive team. They always will be, especially with Brad Stevens. But I think it's either going to be the shoot. Generally, they're shooting to improve, which is something that could definitely happen. Add that inside scoring presence. I don't know who, who would be the right mold, but you know, someone in the buyout market or potentially swing a trade or... It might just have to be Tatum and, and Brown say, all right, well, let's go. Like, yeah, let's really combine step for it up. 55, 60 points a night. And there's like, no reason they can't. I mm. think it's definitely possible. It's just whether the Brad Stevens system allows that. Probably a good question. So yeah. I think that I reckon Boston probably are the other team in the East that sort of will push up there. I think come playoff time every year, they, the system works, the defense is huge in the playoffs. And they do have some real, you know, clutch scorers. Kemba can score in the clutch. Tatum's proven he can score in the clutch. Brown hit that wicked shot against Houston last year. So he's obviously not afraid to take the big shot. So I think they've got enough there. It's just got to come together a little bit. And also, there's some bloody good teams in the league right now. It's true. Yeah, Yeah, the seven above them that aren't there by accident. They are really good. There's a lot of talent in the league, you're right. Uh, Well... 
pointless exercise or not, there's a reason I picked eight teams. Because when I was looking at it, and those eight, which obviously you have the same ones, I think they're the eight teams that can win the chip. Do you... Phoenix Suns currently have the no fifth best record in the NBA. Yeah, nah. Don't see it happening? Well, Chris Paul's a little bit old and isn't a proven winner, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And you all know how I feel about Devin Booker, so I don't think so. Not yet. Short and sweet. All right, let's move on. Yeah, and like the Spurs are up there. They don't have the firepower. There's well, let's this... quickly just reel off yeah, some of the other teams that could maybe be in that mix. Um, Dallas? Nah, too They started to click offensively for what it's worth. They won four in a row, but yeah. I also agree. Chris Stapps and... is playing bloody good at the moment, and but I think Luca takes the wrong shots at the moment. He's got to mature a little bit. Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> you know. Yeah. They're just the perpetually stuck in the middle there. Middle of the top, which is good for them. Love Dame. There's a game winner. Um, CJ, I don't know. They just need to be healthy, and I think they got too many... Mo Harkless's, you know It what I'm doesn't saying? mean that, like, their stint as, like, a perennial contender is going to go down the toilet. No, it's like them yeah. being, you know, wasted years or whatever. They are getting like, a bit older. But, yeah, I was like, I feel like this is kind of not their last chance, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. CJ, again, like you said with Jamal, like, if CJ and Dame don't get him over the hump this year, then you're like, oh, well, what do we do? Like, yeah. there's no way really that I can see them legitimately improving their roster to jump up a notch and... The Lakers and Clippers aren't going anywhere. So. Exactly. Um, the Pacers? Not yet. Okay. Yeah, not yet. Uh, uh, Sabonis is awesome. Bro- like, they're still a bit pretty young. I think they've got time. Karis LeVert needs to come back for them to have any shot at it. And just a bit of continuity for them. I think that's the key up there. But I've I, got, I love uh, got the standings up looking at... They would have been my next one in FYI. The, the Pacers? Pacers? Yeah, I, think yeah, so. I would have put the Suns number nine, I reckon. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I'm the not going to rule out them potentially... Being that random team that's like, oh, what the fuck? They're in the West Finals. How did that happen? Maybe. But I don't think that they're... If it does happen, it'd be like a four or five game series. Yeah. And I don't think that they're good enough at the moment mixed in with Chris Paul's age and yeah, Devin Booker's cockiness, I guess, yeah. for like a better term. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think that they're... They might look like they're playing great basketball at the moment, but I don't know if they can gel quickly enough to legitimately go on a run this Their year. bench isn't strong enough. And also, I've got worries about, can Chris Paul's body get him to the finals? It just mm. it seems to it's just a break... a lot of miles to put onto something. Like, every season, it every year, every series. It just breaks year, down in those, those last few rounds of the playoffs. It breaks down and costs them, and you just wonder if that's a trend that will continue, particularly as he, particularly as he ages. Although, the Suns do have a notoriously good training Staff. They don't, I don't know if they true. still do, but you know, like five, six years ago, they re- I'm pretty sure they've still got them. Yeah, I, this uh, is an educated yeah, guess. Know, but yeah. yeah, but if they still do have that training staff, then you never know. It might help. You never know. He did change his diet and go. I think it was vegan or whatever when he went to OKC. So maybe that'll <laughs> help him. But yeah, even if you watch last year, how'd that work out for Wilson Chandler? Oh, yeah, I think I think Wilson Chandler had some other uh, issues going on <laughs> yeah. as well. All right, let's play up-down. We did the East last week, looking at, I think it was four or five teams that were kind of on the fringes of the playoffs. Like we said, the West is clearly the better conference, and for that reason, obviously, it's much tougher to jump into one of those top eight seeds. So I think everyone in this list that we're going to talk about, with the exception of the San Antonio Spurs, is like right near the bottom of the West End. Yeah, right, okay. Um, So let's start with the Spurs, because... At the moment, as it stands, they're the sixth seed. They're a couple of games over 500. They technically have a losing record at home, but... So do the Nuggets. 
Yeah, there's a lot. The home and away records this year, like without the fans, I'm like, oh. Someone, someone really? made a really good point. It's, it's, oh, actually, it was Mike Malone. He was saying, usually when you go to another city, there's all these distractions. You'll go to a restaurant or you go mm. cl- clubbing or you go to a strip club if you go to Houston. Shout out Atlanta. Yeah, or Atlanta. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now they can't. They're just locked. So they're locked in their sort of uh, their hotel. So you're just a, bit, a lot more focused and locked in. You're sitting there the night before, probably watching some tape, yeah. probably really getting your mind right. Whereas the home team sort of relaxed and lackadaisical. And they sort of are just like, yeah, I'm just living my normal life at the moment. So it kind of explains it quite nicely why the road teams are weirdly doing better. Yeah, um, makes so sense. So that's sort of what I've gone with that. It does make a lot of sense. Um, the Spurs. Yeah. Should they aim up or down? The Spurs should never aim down, in Ooh, my opinion. Okay. Um, I don't, they're, they're like notorious for finding gems in the rough. They're still kind of doing it with the Derek Whites. They're the seed, like yeah, and and I like some of their young players. While Pop is there, and you know, I think they should always aim up because they're never going to sign big free agents. Like sometimes they get lucky, they get like a Lamarcus Aldridge, or they swing a trade for yeah. DeRozan. But I think they should always, always aim up because of their culture and because of who they are. While Pop is there as well, like milk him for all he's worth. Keep finding those diamonds in the rough. I think the Spurs should always aim up, um, even though it feels like with their aging stars and things like that. You I, naturally, I wanted to say aim down, but I think uh, after thinking about it, the Spurs should always aim up because of that. Like they're the, probably the smallest market in the league, yeah. Um, and uh, they always find really good players. So I think aim up, and if you get a number one draft pick somewhere along the line, get lucky, take another Tim Duncan. They'll just reload. They're, they're awesome. I, th- I love the Spurs. Yeah, you mentioned Derek White. He was like the 29th pick. DeJounte Murray, who frothed over last time, I think mm. we did the sit-down, 29th pick as well. And then Keldon Johnson. Who I froth over, mate. Was the 29th pick. So the yeah. Spurs are really good at finding blokes in that spot. Manu so. was like that. Tony Parker was like that. Kawhi Leonard was even a little <laughs> bit like that. That's pretty ridiculous for the record. Yeah, that is a bit of a strange... That, that should have been a useless sports by Fry. It is now. So, yeah, look, I had them as down for the reasons that you started to allude to with their ageing list and that. But I'll be honest, you've completely convinced me to agree with your case. It yep. makes a lot of sense given their culture and especially the pop thing. Because yep. I, for the last, oh, maybe... This preseason, so maybe it's only been one year, but I'm like, ah, oh, this is probably it for Pop. I reckon we've thought that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Even since that, since the Nuggets beat them in 2019, I reckon I was sort of yeah, like, oh, okay. that's probably it for Pop. Like he doesn't have the the cavalry to get him any further than where they just fell at. I think that well, and they did fall out of the playoffs. Yeah. You sort of thought that might be it, but I reckon he's just going to keep going. I hope so. I hope he kind of yeah keeps. Surgeon for greatness. Uh, greatness is a term that's not often associated with the Sacramento Kings currently, uh, as it stands there, tied record-wise with the Dallas Mavericks, yeah. uh, who we're not going to talk about. But what do you think the Kings should do? They're, they're, they should be going upwards. They've got De'Aaron Fox. Um, Halliburton's looking great. I, I think they've got enough. If they can just add shooters, like... You know, Buddy Heald's been a bit of a, a project that hasn't worked. Yeah. But if you can add guys like that around a, a star guard, hopefully they can figure something out with Bagley, whether they ship him off or just convince him to stay um, and just build around him and Fox, if they're happy to stay. Um, I don't know what's going on that front 
front office, but I think they should definitely be aiming up. They've got enough crew. It's just about bringing in some solid little free agents um, and role players to sort of work around De'Aaron Fox. Because I think his speed, you know, speed kills. Mm. And in the NBA that sort of loves to chop and change every four or five years, we might just Pace find... Pace is really on an upward trajectory. Big time. And if, you know, De'Aaron can keep shooting or, you know, continue his upward trend in his shooting, I, I reckon the Kings have their guy. Um, and hopefully a few guys. Um, Halliburton might just turn into the all-star you were looking at some of his cards rookie cards the other day it was so hopefully if you if you do go ahead and buy those for for your sake and the king's sake he comes along i I reckon they should go up i disagree i think they should go down because with the exception of De'Aaron fox and halliburton i kind of hate everyone on their roster Mm -hmm. like harrison barnes is an overpaid guy that's probably going to get you he's playing good this year has been playing solid you're right but like and rashawn holmes is like overachieving quite a bit, I think. For two or three straight years, though, so you, you kind of go, is he over, overachieving anymore? Yeah, but I don't think that there's enough on their roster for them to make a serious push with Fox as the, like, steering the ship. And like we said a little bit with um, the Spurs and a couple of other teams, a lot of these free agents only want to go to, like, four or five different destinations. And it's not exactly like the kid who are. Brad Beal's a free agent, let's use an example. Let's be like, oh, yeah, I'll go and play with Darren Fox. That sounds cool. But, like, there's not a lot else going there. The free, the um, front office, like you said as well, seems like it's always a little bit in a shambles and mm. that they're not the most well-run organisation. So if they're going to get another dude that, I don't know, in the top six picks or something like that, I mean, they could still finish, you know, 10th in the lottery standings and obviously... The ping pong balls could work for them and they could get a good pick, but I think they need to improve their chances of getting a better lottery pick, even if that means trading Bagley for future picks and not getting anything back in return because there's not a lot of other young talent other than Tyrese that I like on their roster. De'Aaron Fox is a star and is someone that, again, probably deserves to be an all-star. There's only so many spots on the roster, so I think I've handed out seven extra all-star gigs tonight, but I think... The Kings have to aim down because they have to try and find that dude to pair with Fox if they are serious about like making the playoffs annually and then sticking there and continuing to try and build a successful squad. I definitely agree with you in that I don't think that free agents, the big ones, are going to yeah. want to come there. I don't think they need to chase the big ones. I think Fox is going to be their star. Hopefully Halliburton or Bagley becomes the second. I, just can't, I, I also worry about if they... Bottom out again. They've sort of been on this upward trajectory ever so slightly. True. If they bottom out again, they'll lose Fox. He's already sort of not happy. They'll lose everyone and they'll have to genuinely restart again. I think they just need to go for it. Give it a crack. Make a playoffs to get a bit of excitement around the team again. Mm. Um, I don't think the Kings can afford to try again, again, again. You know what I mean? So that's why I think they should go up. But I hear what you're saying. Two sides of the coin, both make sense. Uh, the Grizzlies, you reckon they should be aiming up or down? I'm going with up. In fact, I'm yeah, just same. looking at... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty up-heavy in the West. Um, I think Ja Morant is, is awesome. I think that you can always find a Kawhi somewhere at pick 15. Like I think that's... If, if they're not going to make it this year, hit hit in the that mid to late lottery or yeah. sort of late lottery, just outside the lottery, get... 
get really lucky. But they've got the cavalry. They've got uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who is a bit injury prone. Well, uh, I was I've actually got him on one of the fantasy well, the nine fantasy teams that yeah. I've got at the moment. Uh, and we uh, said a couple of weeks ago that he's like, "Yep, I'm going to be returning to the court soon." Mm-hmm. And then there was something that came out. It might have even been today that he's like, "Oh yeah." I'm returning to the court in like a couple of weeks and everyone's like, hang on a minute, like two weeks ago you said, yep, I'll be there like next yeah. couple of games. And I then, thought he was going to be back around And it doesn't sound time. like he's had a setback, like from all reports, it just seems like they're like, oh yeah, we're still just kind of waiting for him to be healthy. Mm. So that is a bit concerning. In the same boat, the, the case he kind of made for the Kings, I think the Grizzlies are the perfect team to just add those like two to three veteran free agents mm. and complement the rest of their roster. Yeah. Like, Kyle Anderson's, like, playing pretty wicked at the Probably moment. the best he's played. Ja Morant is a beast. Jonas Valanciunas is pretty underrated as a player in my eyes. So, I think they've got enough there for them to aim up. I mean, I've petitioned for them to be a playoff team, I think, three or four weeks in a row now. Mm. Something yep. of the sort. They've so, been up there. Yeah, yeah and they're the team that, as I'm looking through the standings, I think they're the ones that have missed a big chunk of games in the West. The Wizards are probably the ones that have suffered in the East. So maybe if they try and squash a lot of games in to get them up to a reasonable number in the second half of the year, they've got a lot of young dudes. They might crash and burn a bit. But they might also like bounce the other way and be like, no, we're going to like ride this hot streak and see how we go. I think they need to go for it because they've got their superstar in the future. Yeah. And you know, if you get number one in this draft, it's probably Cade Cunningham. It doesn't really work for them. I think that's the other thing to think about. It doesn't work for the Kings because Cade Cunningham doesn't fit them. But they could still take someone like that Jalen Green or Kumanji. He looked great, Kumanji, in the debut the other day. Jalen Green looked terrible. I watched the... uh, watched you know half of the game but Kamanji looked unreal if they so. add one of those like yeah scoring like he takes Buddy Heald's spot and then all of a sudden I got a lot more faith in the Kings anyway we've done the Kings we've done the Grizz now uh, let's look you said that the um, Grizzlies have their superstar to build around the Pelicans obviously do as well mm. I think they're one of the rare teams that have the two superstars to kind of build around so I said that they should definitely be aiming up they've got the young talent they've got They've got picks as well, or did they deal picks out when they? You're the you're the sports. No, they they got picks back from Anthony Davis trade, obviously, and when they traded away Drew Holiday. Yeah. So like, but those picks, you're like, think about it. If they've got them for the next Hmm. four years, you're like, oh, sick. We're gonna have like two extra picks in the late twenties for the rest of the year. That sounds fantastic. They don't really need to aim down to get like another big dog. They can draft players or use those as trade chips to acquire dudes to complement your Brandon Ingrams, your Zions. Lonzo, you and I both talked about how... Are you still in the Lonzo thumbs-up camp? At the moment. Yep, yep. <laughs> I've got him in fantasy. He's been a bit weird, but I like what he does defensively. The one thing I will say... I also said the Pell should definitely aim up. Yep. I think Zion's like just the probably the most underrated player in the league right now, which seems crazy to talk about Zion when you think about him a year ago and in college being underrated like 36 points on one missed shot against, yeah, against Luca the other day that someone is, else's whose cards I was looking at that is absurd um, but here's something for you should maybe the Pels try and get Cade Cunningham to, pa- to pair this uh, unreal playmaker with this unreal like inside lob threat force 
would that just maybe be the most intriguing pairing in like NBA history? Potentially. Like, that I've I've only just thought about that. I think they should go up, but if there is a little bit of a chance, even if it means getting rid of BI to get Cade Cunningham, especially given that Zion's only in year three, Cunningham is like sort of coming out of college. Zion year two or three? Oh, he's going into year three when Cunningham sorry. will yeah, come yeah, yeah. in. Sorry. Gotcha. Um, that could just be like a 15-year like god duo that maybe fits perfectly. And then just surround him with shooters. Yeah, pretty that, much. That could really work. I, now I'm thinking about that, I almost want them to do everything they can. To try and take for Cade. Yeah, yeah. I, anyway. If he doesn't uh, join the New Orleans Pelicans, he might end up on the OKC Thunder. Mm-hmm. They have the second worst record in the West at the moment. But I still think they should aim up. I agree. Because all the picks that they've got coming in like, will help them build their nucleus. I don't think they're capable of going up at the moment because there's like... we. Uh, we were watching them against... Oh, Minnesota, because we were watching... We no. watched the Nuggets. Oh, that's right. They played the Nuggets, yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, you had your Kenrich Williams and your Mike Mascalas out there. I'm just like, what the fuck? Justin Who Jackson top yeah. scored for them. Yeah. So they need to kind of flush out those guys, which they will eventually. Um, or yeah. hope uh, that they develop as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't think they will, but you never know. True. You never know. They might as well aim up and in the hopes that one of those guys kind of starts to go with Shay, um, and I don't think you want to be going for down and have Shay get into bad habits because yeah. he is going to be an all star for them. You know, he could almost be an all star this year. Um, I, I think they should be aiming up because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for them. They've got so many picks. They've got plenty of Clippers picks. Yeah, which we all know historically probably going to be pretty juicy. So. Um, even though they've got the two stars right now, it doesn't mean they'll got it for now, but yeah, stars. it's no guarantee they'll stay there. Um, I also think that the last team we'll talk about, the Houston Rockets, should aim up. Yeah, I, I've realised that I've said every team <laughs> should aim up. <laughs> but it's true. I think they all should be. Why do you think the Rockets should aim up? I think because if you've got Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, Wall. Christian Wood, John Wall on your team... You're not getting any younger. You've just fleeced your picks in the... Or not fleeced, but you gave up a handful of them to get Russell Westbrook. You've got a couple, again, of those Brooklyn picks coming in, but even if one of those three dudes stays with the Nets for the next four years or however long those picks run, they're probably at worst going to be like, you know, the back end of the lottery. So I think that, yeah, again, I tried to... uh, be amicable the king should aim down but yeah there was a whole lot of uh, upwards trajectory in the uh, up down list i think you just have to give it a shot with the with the you know the players they've got they've got you know three potential all-stars if john wall can get back to where i think he probably can yeah i don't know if he can i uh, mean well, i'm gonna i'm gonna hope for his sake be you know, that he hasn't yeah. missed the the golden era of his Career. That was prime. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, prime. That's the word I'm looking for. I think I really like all the depot. I think defensively, they've they've just got an interesting mix. Christian Wood, I love after watching yeah. him over the last two years. Give it a crack. Um, they've always got the weird stats guys running around, sort of trying to change the game. So they might just come up with something special. Um, and you know, give uh, who's their coach again? What's his name? Um, Stephen Silas. Silas, give Silas a little run and see what they can cook up. I think to, like they can cause a whole lot of problems for some of the you know the star guards in the league. So uh, I reckon give it a shot. Uh, I don't think it's going to work, but you might as well go up. Yeah, <laughs> down's not an option. I guess aiming up is always the way you want to be aiming. 
in some sense, but yeah, for some teams, it's realistic. For some, it is not. Mm. Is there anyone in the in the West that should be aiming down that you, you can look at? I can't. Of see course, them. you would ask me that as I just closed the tab on the West standings. Nah, well, not off really. The dome. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves should. That, they should definitely be trying to win right now, considering they've got Cat and D'Angelo Russell. They should probably be aiming up. We've talked about the other non-playoff teams. The Mavericks should be aiming up, unless they want to pair Luca with Cade Cunningham or Kumanji or someone like mm, that. That could work. Um, yeah, the Warriors, the Nugs, the Blazers. The Blazers, maybe, are now? <laughs> maybe, but probably not. Not when From the fifth seed, they should be aiming to... Yeah. yeah. No, nah, that's a good point. I think a lot of the... A lot of the teams out west should be aiming up again. Maybe the Kings, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Depends who you talk to. That's true. There you go. All right, AFL Fantasy Time. Uh, if you haven't already checked it out, I dropped a big article on oh, Thursday, Wednesday, looking at 22 mid-price players that you need to consider for your starting squad. Um, and having a look at this list, I've realised that quite a few of them are actually in my team already. So mm. I looked at it last night when I was on the Terps uh, at home alone. There's no... Is that alcoholism? I don't know. But yeah, I actually realised I have a ton of them in my team as well. So There's no better uh, way, I think, this year than to chase uh, to build your starting team than by chasing these value guys. Like The way that they've kind of inflated all the dudes at the top of the pecking order... Their averages are all kind of reflecting what would be their personal best season. So a lot of these dudes, they're all priced in the 300 grand to 600 grand bracket. I think will be popular dudes and for good reason. All right, let's run through the list. I did 22, like I said, to try and make your starting lineup. So we got six defenders, eight mids, two rucks, and then six forwards. Leading uh, the list is Hayden Young, who was one of my first picked, I'll be honest, this year. His break even is only 44, and I expect him to... Oh, 70, man? Yeah, I was going to say 65, but honestly, he might even push up to 70. So, has he sitting in your squad as well? He is at the moment. He's just... He's so cheap, it's impossible. If he's, one of the, if he's playing, he's going to go up. Yeah. You know, if he's playing every game this year, it's definitely worth having as a, as a launch pad to get to one of those top six defenders come the back end of the year. But it's just a bit of a set and forget for the first half, in my opinion. So definitely Hayden Young. And I'm always keen on getting those players that are projected to grow because they're a high draft pick or they're they're thoroughbred players. And he's definitely one of those guys. So he's definitely on my team and he won't move no matter what. I'm not as high on Lockie Scholl, next bloke on the list. I actually probably prefer some of his teammates in Rory Laird or Wayne Miller over Scholl, but... He did have a pretty impressive rookie season. His back fortnight of the yeah. season, he had 89 and 72 in shortened quarters. And I think for the people who had the kept him because he debuted halfway through the year, mm. played the last like eight games yeah. from memory. So if you kept him and had that 89 and 72, that's like a kind of a, what's the word? An Pay insight off. into what he could right. potentially do if he strings more games together. A harbinger of things to come. Mm. I, uh, I... Pumped him up. I can't remember who it was. I was talking to one of the Twitter fans um, the previous year. I was like, oh, keep him on your watch list. He's going to be great. And then completely skimmed over him in all my like preseason stuff and didn't mention him. And then, yeah, came in and bang. Is he uh, in the Kusplorkin outfit? Or he's, nah? he's not at the moment. Um, although, if, if there's, a few, there's a few teams that I'd be keen on adding these value players because of the fact that they could play so much. Like, 
North Melbourne, Adelaide. Yep. Those teams right on the bottom who are trying. You almost to... put Hawthorne in that similar boat, I reckon. Mm, you never know what you're going to get from the Hawks. Uh, I'm, and I'm still not sure what to expect. But definitely, Adelaide, if, you, if you're thinking about a mid-pricer from there, um, I, I would say go for it because they're pretty likely to get... I don't know, how many games are we playing this year? Is 20, it full 22? Yeah, 22, going back yeah, to They're normal. pretty likely to get 18 or more games, just especially if they're young. They need to build up a little bit of a bit of a new culture there. So I reckon Schultz, uh, Scholes, sorry, um, I, I don't have him, but as I sort of get closer to the season tipping off, maybe. Speaking of building a new culture, uh, Isaac Quaino from the Collingwood Magpies is up next. He's your... Uh, my man. Your man, so I'm just going to sit back and let you tell me why he should be in the team. Oh, look, he's the, that midfield in Collingwood, uh, it's getting older. They've lost Trelaw, who was easily their best midfielder. I can't understand why they let him walk. Taylor Adams just got injured again, hamstring again. Um, I, I, Pendlebury's going to sort of has to fall off at some point. Uh, he's the LeBron James of the AFL, but... You know, it's got to drop off at, cer- it's at a certain point. Eventually, like and they have to start planning for it. And Quain is one of the guys who they're going to plug in there and let Wild. I think you said he'll play on a wing. I could see him playing through the middle because he's uh, right in the guts because he's such a smooth mover. Great kick. And he's he's a like a purebred. He's been in the academy since he's like four years old. Yeah. So I reckon he's get, he's poised to move up the ground. Um, and the way he uses the ball, I, I just love him. He moves so smoothly. He's like a very. It reminds me a lot of the way Tim Kelly plays, and I could sort of see him being that dynamic and that much of a high impact player quite quickly. So I think yeah, Quainer, okay. Quainer was like one of the first blokes I picked. His break even yeah. sixty six for what it's worth, almost bang on five hundred grand. Uh, a couple of grand, about twenty or thirty cheaper. You can get yourself James Harms. Now he had a. Pretty shitty year last mm, year. Yeah. Only averaged 49.7. The Demons had a pretty shitty yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. Um, which equates to 62. Um, but he's went above 80. He went 92 and then 83 the two years before he's that. A full-time midfielder. And as a full-time midfielder. And that's kind of where they're saying he's going to play again. So he and Wayne Miller, who's another 20k cheaper than Harms, are the two dudes that are generating a lot of that buzz term of more midfield time. Mm. So... I personally had Miller in my side and have since swapped him for Harms, but have you got either or both of those cats in your mix? I don't at the moment, but I, I definitely like what you're saying. Of the two, I'd be inclined to go Miller because of what we were talking about in the Adelaide, yep. uh, who was it earlier, Shoal. Yep. Um, but I could definitely back Harms in because he's had the, he's been at the peak and he might have just regressed for one year. I guess that's the that's the dice you roll. Yeah, I am leaning, obviously, like I said, he's in my team now. I'm probably leaning towards picking Harms over Millera, only because, sticking with the Adelaide Crows, there's the talk of Millera getting more midfield time. All right, well, Rory Laird might also get some. Brody Smith played midfield last year as Sloan well. Sloan will be back. Sloan's back, and he's someone we'll discuss further on. they got Jackson Hately, another dude in this article. So I think... There's, you know, only one footy to go around and mm. so many touches. Miller is coming off a fractured foot as well. He's in nearly 20% of teams, so I can see why he's a popular pick, but Harms has done it before. Like I said, he's gone over 80 two years in a row before this shit show playing off the halfback flank, so 
I like his chances of increasing his scoring average by 15 more than seeing Miller do it. And I think it's a different case to the Quainer one because he's one of those guys I expect to be a star in the future. Mm -hmm. Neither of these two are probably going to be stars. So it's probably smarter to pick the guy who has the track record in this case. Pretty hard at the footy. Um, sort of really hunts it. You're probably going to get you a fair few tackles. So. That's my thinking as well. Maybe yeah. even snap a goal or two here and there. Yeah, um, I don't expect Miller Miller to be some transcendent player. So no. I would I would definitely back Harms in that one. Last one, Isaac Cumming. He'll set you back three hundred and fifty-five grand. Now that Heath Shaw, Zach Williams, and Aiden Core have left that Giants back line, it seems like he's going to become a permanent member of their back six. Could offer you maybe a ten to fifteen point increase from his. Break even of 47. Hmm. I'm definitely going to watch him closely in the Amy Community Series. The one game. Yeah, the huge game. There's, the, I think there's one official preseason game, but all clubs have scheduled like another scratchy or something like that. So watch this space. He's someone that has been getting a lot of buzz and is in a lot of teams, but I don't know if I'm like as convinced on ev- as everyone else is on his success. He's kind of had to fight for his spot in that giant side, which is the reason he hasn't scored that great. But if he gets a consistent role and they're like, yep, he's picked round one, he's going to be taking our kickouts, blah, 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 then there's no reason why he can't score, you know, even closer to 70 like a Hayden Young type. Yeah, I couldn't tell you much about um, coming, to be honest, but it's a dirt cheap break even, so it's I can definitely see why you might jump on it. And there is a lot of room in that Giants team all of a sudden, so... Could work. Hayden Young is, for what it's worth, 20k cheaper than him. Mm. I definitely would pick Young over um, Isaac Cumming, but at the same time, I've got both of my team at the moment. Mm. There you go. Uh, I also have this man sticking in my M4, I think. Uh, Matthew motherfucking Rao. Don't really need to talk about this one for much. Uh, he could potentially win the Rising Star and the Brownlow this year. Yeah. In fact. Yep. I did hear you. I overheard you talking about it in the podcast. Yeah. I, I say we just move on because everyone's going to have him. Yep. Dyson Heppel is someone that not everyone will have, and you can understand why. Uh, from 2014 to 2018, though, Heppel only missed one single game and scored in triple figures, like fantasy wise, for each of those seasons. So he was. Elite, but I don't know if he can recapture the vibe. 566 grand. There's talk of him maybe coming off a back flank. That he seems healthy now. He's still their skipper, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure he's. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. So maybe the potential of DPP would get some people into picking him, but I can't do it. I I have very closely watched Heppel over the last few years. There's, I think two years ago I was like hovering over the execute trade button yep. several times. Um, but Heppel's a watch for me. I definitely see the potential and see the allure. Um, and I think he probably probably will go all right. Um, I think if you put I him in there, it's going right, to go well. But, but I would say, for me, he's a watch for sure. Ben Cunnington, next cab off the rank. He's uh, 60 grand cheaper than Dyson Heppel, priced almost identically to Isaac Quainel, so a break-even of 66 Hurt his back last year, and that kind of really hampered his season. And then I think he made a return in round 11 or 12 or something like that. But the back issue led to some quad complaints mm. and stuff like that. So derailed his 2020 season. But I think given the amount of youngsters that they're going to be playing in that, they need some vets to kind of lead the way. And Cunnington won't move from my team, I don't reckon. Uh, he will move from my team in about round four or five. Oh, sorry. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, for the starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's probably when I'm looking to offload him, I think he will have 
capped out in his price by then, if, if it's going to happen. But you know what? If, if you're sort of looking at, at him as a value play, you, you look at rookies the same way. And if he's going to get you a pretty decent scores in that sort of M whatever spot, I, I, he's in my M8, um, but, but I'm just a weirdo. You're overloaded midfield. Yeah, I, at least he's a bit of a set and forget at the moment. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You can always trade him away after round one or two if he's going crap and make 400 grand and chuck it on someone else somewhere else. So Even if... He's a good launch pad. If uh, Tom Powell, the North rookie, doesn't make his debut instantly, because it seems like Will Phillips is going to, that could be a perfect, like, Cunnington's 500 grand, gets up to 650 a month into the season, then Powell gets his turn, and then you just swap the two of them over and make 400 grand. I'm sure, I think you have LDU on this. There's another guy you could just go, oh, actually, he's playing a lot more. Just sort of straight swap almost. So... It's it's a low risk one, Cunnington. There's it's all you'd almost be crazy not to do it given that that bargain break even because at a certain point two years ago, you know he looked like one of the best midfielders in the comp. Yeah. in all honesty. So I, I'm totally on board with the Cunnington. He's in my team. So uh, Tom Green from the Giants is not in my team and probably won't slot into the starting lineup. Four hundred and forty grand, he'll set you back. Managed six games in his rookie campaign last year and he played the first four then got dumped and then had to play, well, had to wait for the last two games of the season. But those last two games of the season were pretty encouraging for Green. I don't know, with the Canelio slash Kelly slash Taranto slash Hopper DeBoer, mix in there, Callum Ward. Perryman, I'm like, I don't know if Green, who, like I said, is priced pretty cheaply, I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone to warrant picking him and hope that he's going to have a big jump in production. Um, his break even I'm trying to find uh, whilst doing two things at once, but I didn't don't think he's going to score enough. I, I think he's going to ho- hover around that break even price. In all honesty, yeah, there's, fifty-eight is his break even. There's another one. It's just a sit a sit a watch on him. Uh, do we do we have AFL fantasy watch list yet? Is that a thing? Yeah, I think so. You can do that. You can, you definitely... can pick your favourites. So okay, uh, yeah. Fa- yeah. Oh, that's it. Yes, essentially, I, I would favourite him and watch him. Um, keep an eye, but they've got a lot of. Good, good youngish players as well. Like we saw how well Riccardi did last mm. year, and guys like that. So I'd be waiting on Tom. Green. To be honest, I couldn't tell you a single thing about the fella. So. How about uh, Rory Sloan? Five hundred and eighty grand. He's going to set you back. He's in you... my team. He's in your team. He is. Yeah, I've done a bit of bit of switching around. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think two years ago he was one of the top scoring midfielders in the in the comp, um, and I. It's a bit like the Harms one. You sort of back a champion in, even though Sloan is much more of a champion than Harms. And who else is going to play in that midfield? Now Crouch is gone, and you've kind of got Matty Crouch sort of flying the flag on his own. Dealing with some niggles as well is Matty Crouch. Yeah, so. I, I'm backing Sloan in. He's a champion. He's going to put it all on the line. He, I might trade him out after two or three weeks. You know, he might go up or down just, you know, quite aggressively, but... At least, you know, I can swing him somewhere else, down to like a, a Tom Green if I bloody need to, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? But I reckon he's going to shoot back up to around the 650 mark. Similar to Hepball, he uh, has scored 95 plus in five of the last six seasons, yeah. so proven track record. Yeah. Uh, the crow that I've got my eyes on, though, is Jackson Hately. Obviously, mm. a lot of people have him picked in their teams. He's averaged 69 points from the 13 games he played as a giant over two years and that's with adjusted scores as well but if he is in Adelaide's team round one he's showed 
killer numbers at junior level, showed fantastic numbers at NEFL level as well. He just didn't get the opportunity at GWS, so I think he's like the 16th most owned player, mm. and for good reason. Yeah, I'm not so sold uh, on Haitley. Just because he's unproven doesn't strike me as one of those purebreds that I'm talking about. Um, he's definitely a watch for me. A lot of people saying he's going to play in the midfield a lot, but we saw how that went with Dan Houston bloody last year. And like you said, there's only so many people who can go in there. So we've got Crouch going in there. We've got Sloan going in there. We've got Laird going in there. You'd expect those three to potentially be the three big dogs. I don't know. I think that... Oh, and you've got um, Smith who's going to be running through there. I'm not so sold. I reckon everyone's getting a little bit excited a bit too early. He's definitely a watch for me. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah, again, he's in my team. I can definitely see the... Dominating cautiousness. I don't know how you would word it, but yeah, he's not 100% locked into my lineup, but I expect him to be there round one. I expect an average of 80+. plus. So for those reasons, unless something goes pear-shaped, I'll probably leave him in the lineup. Dominating Neefles, uh, not too much to write home about, let's be honest, mate. Yeah, touche. Uh, Braden Sire, next one up, 400 grand from the Magpies. Mm. Someone's got to play in that Magpies midfield. Yeah, this one interested me almost the most out of everything in your article, I must admit. Yeah, okay. I hadn't hadn't thought about him one iota. He is a dude who I thought last year, he and um, Rupert Wills, I was like, one of them is going to pop, I just don't know which one it is. Neither of them did. Wills got delisted. So I think Did he really? Yeah. Is he anywhere at the moment? Don't think so. Oh, come on, West Coast. Get on that. I could be wrong. I'll double check as I'm saying that. But yeah, Sire is someone that I'm very, very high on. Yeah, he just works hard. It's a similar... Tackling machine. Similar vein to Brody Majacek. He's sort of been plugged in different spots over his career. But I've always really liked Sire's game. Um, and I, I reckon he... Like we sort of said, someone has to run through there. And Collingwood has to be thinking about the future because... They're not making the eight anymore. After Taylor Adams is gone and all this crap, they're not making it. So their window is essentially closed. So it's kind of where to now for them. And a little bit, hey. They've got a great ruckman to feed those midfielders. So I reckon, yeah, I've more than ever be thinking about Sire uh, as especially a really low priced option. What's he rated? Uh, what's he priced at? Uh, four hundred and three. It's a bargain. Grand at the that's, moment. That's so, bargain. Oh, four two. Yeah, there. Yeah, break even at fifty three. To put that into context, mm. so mm. if he's playing regular midfield minutes, he's going to score fifty three points. Bloody oath. Yeah, I really like that one. I, that's a that's your best one, I think. Luke Davis Uniac is not known for uh, his scoring potential, although the former number four pick has actually mm-hmm. improved his fantasy numbers in each of the last three seasons. If you obviously adjust yeah. the shortened ones. Um, he's an explosive midfielder. Sounds like he's doing everything right. Is this the year that he kind of pops? I don't think so. But he could probably string regular games together and, again, improve his fantasy numbers. It's just a matter of how much he's going to improve from, I think, his break-even 69, 70, around that mark. So if you're going to be playing regularly through the guts, probably going to, like we said with Sire, chalk up enough points to matter. But... Mm. I don't think he's going to improve a ton from that point. North Melbourne's a bit of an uh, unknown quantity. New coach coming in, particularly the way that it all ended last year. Um, but uh, what I will say is LDU was consistently getting snaps in the midfield when he was playing. Yeah. Um, like, Always oh, has for, ye- for yeah. the three years he's been in the system. And I think that's got to say something. Um, I don't get to watch them train. I don't, get to, I don't listen to the North Melbourne whispers, but... That there must be something about him that's great. He's a number four pick. 
he's one of those guys that I could get behind you taking a chance on early or, you know, for round one. Yep. And you never know. I reckon something just in my heart is telling me that he will have a big, I hope enough, he does. big enough year to, you know, 85 or something. Yeah. And then you're happy. You move him on after half, half of the season. But might be a set and forget for a really pretty cheap price. Very cheap, yeah. yeah. Uh, another cheap bloke as we dive into the rucks. Currently the mm. second most owned player behind uh, Maximus... Oh, not Maximus Gorn. Behind Matty Rowe. Mm. Close. Uh, Braden Proust, the Giants' new ruckman. Uh, only, like I said, Matty Rowe has the edge of double checking, has higher ownership at the moment. So I don't really see the case against picking Proust unless you want to pick someone else in your ruck department. That's Like, he's priced at 50. If he's playing solo ruck, even if he's playing with... Shane Mumford, I think he's the only other recognisable yeah. ruckman on GWS's list. Even if he is playing with him, maybe he'll go to 65 or 70, but there's still a 15 to 20 point jump. Does not have to stick around until the buys. If you want to keep him for six weeks and then get rid of him, go for it. He's done his job. Uh, I, I'm mixed on this one. I'm, I guess I'm torn. I, I kind of feel like Mummy might get a bit more of a run than him early. Um, and then if you sort of if you're expecting him to play a lot early in the season and he doesn't, you'd be spewing. I also just don't love the way he moves. I, I agree that he hopefully will get enough hit outs to sort of get you to that break even. What was it again? Fifty did you 50, say? Fifty, yeah, bang on fifty. Yeah, you know, like hit outs alone won't get you there. And he's gotta do some other stuff. I've never seen him prove it. Um, so I'm a little bit tentative on, on this one. I know third AFL club as well. Like. Yeah, and everyone's piling on it. I reckon he might just burn you. So I would, I would tread carefully with Proust. Uh, uh, in comparison to the other bloke on here, I'd be more high on, is it Draper you've yeah, got Yeah, Sam next? Draper's the next one up. He's about 70 to 80 grand more than Proust. Um, and Andrew Phillips is really his only competition for the Ruck department. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know what that says about Essendon's uh, list management strategy. Mm. Tommy Bell Chambers is retired now. And like I said, Draper managed to play eight games last year in his first taste of senior footy. Mm. So I don't know if he'll get enough consistent games or if they might. Because he was out like two or three times being managed right. later in the year. So He's a young, young big man. He is, and he's a... I would be more inclined. X factor kind of type as well. I think like he's yeah. he's he not like really Nick well. Natanui, but he has the similar explosive traits yep. as a ruckman, which not a lot of ruckmen have. So I can see why Essendon wants to tread lightly, which is probably the biggest red flag for me. Is you know you pick him, he plays the first three games, he's not named round four for rest or management or whatever, and you're like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Mm. Similar like you, I guess, are making the case for Bruce if Mummy's running with him as well, if Andrew Phillips does slot into that lineup and they decide to play both of them and Draper is a bit more of a forward. I don't know. He's definitely got the room for improvement. Yeah, he's definitely a, a, a much more natural footy player in my eyes. That's why I'd be inclined to go him over Bruce. And I guess what, I, what I'd be thinking is, worst case, if Draper does get managed in round four, mm. they're probably going to be the same price. You know, they're going to hover around straight swap ability. So if Bruce is going really well and Draper's out, then just lateral to Proust. That would be the way I'd be inclined to go. Not a terrible call. Uh, I don't know if we can trust Lance Franklin, who kicks off the start of the forwards. 377 grand. Dirt cheap. He'll set you back. So yeah, exactly the same price as Proust, for what it's worth. Mm. Uh, can we trust his body? That is obviously 
the biggest question mark surrounding Buddy. Do you think and, if there's anyone who's going to be rested, we're talking about the driver, he's going to get yeah. plenty of, oh, he's been managed, he's a million years old, he's got no hamstrings left. Like but Celebrated his 34th birthday two weeks ago. Yeah. Buddy, uh, he's a no for me. He was trending upwards and was in my first iteration of my fantasy mm. team. But I don't think you can trust him. I hopefully, I think the realistic goal I set for Sydney, I haven't put a lot of effort into Sydney's goals <laughs> no. the last two or three years, but theirs was just get Buddy right and let him just go out with a bang. Like Hopefully he has one or two more games where he bags like seven or eight or whatever, but from a fantasy perspective, I'm pretty sure we can ignore him. We've never really had him in there, in historically anyway, no. so unless you want a big bang in round 22. Yeah, like, true. Yeah, no. Nah, they lining up against Carlton. Buddy's a strong no for me. Uh, Jai Caldwell, 502 grand Essendon uh, player now that he left the Giants. Don't know if I can trust him either. He's priced at 67. I do just wonder how many midfield reps he is going to get because he's got mid-forward status. Um, so it's interesting, and there's obviously a possibility that he produces some notable scores, but I'm like, mm. Deal Shield, Zach Merritt. We've already kind of teased Dyson Heppel. I think he's a better McGrath. chance to pop. McGrath went off last year, so he's not going to detract from midfield time. So. You're more likely to see Tipper in there or something. I, I, I couldn't tell you a thing about Joe Caldwell, yeah. to be honest. Let's so. skim over him then. Uh, Connor Rosies because the next cab off the rank, because I love this bloke. Has been in and out of my team, but then was out of my team as of Friday. But as I'm sure every fantasy coach that's listening to this knows, he kicked six goals in their practice trial, whatever the fuck match they called it. The intra-club, that's it. There you go. Um, and dominated. And was apparently playing through the midfield whilst kicking six snags. I'm like, well, someone has to play in the midfield when you're playing two, you know, yeah. two teams worth of people. But I think now that Orazio Fantasia's on their list, he might be the one that pushes deeper. A lot of people are high on Zach Butters as well. But he had a good year last year. He did, but as a fantasy cat and they're running through the midfield, I would much rather Connor Rosie. Yeah, I'm totally with you. He was my first pick forward and he sat there in forward one for the... He will. He'll stay there. So I'm I'm all aboard the Rosie train. Had him last year and he's pretty good in draft. Yeah. So. My first pick forward was Jaden Stevenson. Mm. Next up, uh, North Melbourne's coach is David Noble. That's him. He said the other day that Stevenson will be getting midfield minutes and will rotate through. How much he does rotate through, that's a question. But I think regardless, he went and scored 80 plus for a whole... I think it might have actually been half a season. That might have been the year he got done for that betting yeah. scandal with the Pies. But that's when he was playing as a forward and he was still like chalking up marks. Wasn't kicking a lot of goals for his big scores as well. So I'm super high on Jaden Stevenson. Have been for, yeah, the whole preseason. I'm, I'm a little bit more tentative on Stevenson just for the fact that North Melbourne's a bit of an unknown quantity mm. right now. And also, when he was getting those 80s, Collingwood were flying. True. Collingwood were going... Unbelievably well. I think they were getting like plenty of kicks, lots of marks, uncontested marks, and that's probably where he was making his um his money. So I think I, I'm just going to wait on Stevenson, but I can absolutely appreciate the allure. Um, and you've talked nearly talked him into him s- several times. So we've talked about him enough. Uh, I won't keep flying the Jaden Stevenson flag. Jesse Cameron of the Geelong Cats, another ex giant. It's a theme of the podcast. As blokes in new scenarios has averaged 85 plus in two separate seasons. So there is some of a track record of fantasy success, but there's a lot of Geelong players that are going to be chewing up the goals. And they do have, I think, 
Duncan, Hawkins and Dangerfield were like one, two and four in goal assists last year. Might have been in a different order, but I think that those three, you know, they love to share the footy around. Jezza Cam's going to be on the end of all these handballs in the goal square. I'm like, "Mm, I'm not buying it. I'm not sold on Jezza Cameron as a fantasy product. Usually, traditionally, like we teased a little bit with Buddy, you don't pick key forwards. There's some benefit to it giving these like deflated price tag and he is capable of tearing a game open like the grand final. Did you skipper him back in 2019 when he had like kicked at 11 against the Suns or something? I'm pretty sure you had him in your, your lineup. Oh God, I, I hope so. It doesn't ring a bell though. No, I'll not. take it though. Maybe I'm thinking of another year. But yeah, I remember that grand, I think he off the dome scored like 150 points That's and like right. won a lot of coaches their league. So everyone has that in the back of their mind, but I'm like, that's a one showing against the then pretty shitty Gold Coast Suns. So mm. he might just thrive in Geelong's forward line, especially if Tommy Hawkins and Duncan and Danger keep handballing and chipping kicks to him over the top. But I'd much rather put money on him for the Coleman than pick him in my fantasy outfit. He's sitting in my fantasy uh, team after a bit of a change, which I, I think it was on Friday. I think as I overheard you talking through this article on your podcast, I was putting him in there. Um, and I, I actually think he might sort of rise back up to that 600k mark. He was terrible last year because go, uh, GWS were just all over the bloody shop. He was obviously not yeah, that happy up there. Um, I reckon you're going to see him getting up the ground and playing that Jezza Cameron marking football that yeah, he does best, especially given they've got Tomahawk and they can play him closer to home. I actually think he's going to get some good delivery, which he wasn't getting last year, and he's going to get plenty of people who want to kick him the ball um, and want to share the ball with him. I reckon as a not to stick in your team all year, I won't finish with him, but yeah. he's one of the value players that I'm most confident in um, sort of regressing to the mean. And I reckon he'll, he'll push back up towards... What's his uh, break-even sitting at now? Uh, 62. I think he'll push up to, push up towards 80, and then I can start to look to manoeuvre him. But if, if nothing else, he's just going to sit there and hopefully get me 80 a game. I, I'm pretty confident in his marks, um, particularly sort of getting up the ground, going up a lot more, and hopefully those turn into kicks. So I have a little bit more faith in picking someone like Joe Danaher for 50 grand less, <laughs> who's the last bloke on this list. He has played just 15 games in the last three seasons, which is obviously why he's so discounted. But he's definitely capable of, like we kind of said with Cameron, like tearing a game to shreds. Kicked 65 goals the last time he played a full season, back in 2017. And we raved about Phoenix's medical staff earlier. Brisbane gets similar raps in the AFL. Like Nakai Cockatoo kind of went there and they're hoping that he can be turned around. And Mm -hmm. I think if Danaher can stay healthy and stay on the park, he's the one that I'd rather invest in. I'm just a little bit worried about Danaher. Uh, yeah, his body is a huge <laughs> worry. Um, and I also just wonder if he's going to take a little bit of time to build back up. And has he ever been a, a high fantasy scoring player? Not really. Just kicks lots of goals, takes a few clunks in the forward 50, but I'm not expecting him to get up the ground too much. I think Hipwood's going to be doing that a bit more. I would be... I'm on the... Cameron train over Danaher, but I, I can see what you're saying. He's super discounted. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't have either of them and mm. probably won't pick either of them. Like I said, the Rosies and the Stevenson types is probably where I'll steer my uh, fantasy starting lineup. So much for a, a shorter podcast. 
We're nearly at the uh, 75 minute mark. Yeah, right. Um, and that's the list. Gone through all 22. Um, just off the top of my head, as I'm counting them here, I think I've got 10 of them in my lineup. Yeah, right. So, again, there's a lot of value out there in dudes this season, I think, especially given the weirdness that the shortened quarters created. Um, who's a couple of blokes, just before we wrap up? You said you made a couple of tweaks and changes off the dome. Can you remember any big moves that you might have made or changed? Or blokes that you're now super high on and included that weren't before? I think um, Brayshaw, Angus Brayshaw, is yeah, okay. uh, definitely primed to go back up. He's Like we said, he's like 24 years old. Like, um, Yeah, I was surprised at how young he was. Yeah, was someone has to get some snaps in there next to Clayton and sort of working off... Oh, and Petrarca, I, I guess. But I think he's going to move back in there. And he's, he's priced at bugger all, so you might as well give it a crack. He's I think he's worth swinging for the fences on. Sloan came into my team, so there's one of them. Uh, Cameron came into my team because I think he'll go back up to the 80s. And the last bloke I brought in um, was Isaac Rankin. Um, oh. Lots of reports from Stewie Jew that he's going to be getting a lot more run through the middle. Yeah. Um, right. And like I've sort of been talking about, he's one of those jet thoroughbreds who I could see sort of them backing, even if he's not playing particularly good through the midfield. Yeah, right. Saying, you know what, we need this guy to get snaps through the midfield for our future because let's be honest, the Suns aren't looking to win it this year. I think if they are saying they're going to play Rankin through there, who's price at like like bugger all I'll double check um, I'll get the numbers that way I can't remember it's like high 300s or low 400s but it's 465 oh, okay. break even a 61 yeah I just I could see him that he's going to average that worst case but yeah. I think he might go a bit higher so I've thrown him in there and he's he's a thoroughbred just like Quainer so they're the, the changes I've made roughly um, they'll all change before First, uh, first round, depending on who's playing, but yeah, of course. Yeah, I like Isaac Rankin. Well, we're nearly under the uh, one month mark until the mm. fantasy season kicks off. Thirty-one days, nineteen hours, and thirty-two minutes as it stands right now. Yes. So there'll be plenty more fantasy chatter on the Sunday sit downs for sure. I think we filled our quota tonight, though. Um, <laughs> so again, so much for a shorter episode, but. Plenty of good stuff yarned about. Uh, once again, thanks for joining on the Sunday sit-down. JL, until next time, chip your windy. Chip it.